It's time for the Mark Huston Show. Expect something wonderful. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special show that I'm so excited to be a part of and, and to actually facilitate and share the same air with some of the most respected people in my life in, around the topic of astrology. If you're, if everything goes the way I'm hoping it'll go, by the end of this show, you will have known something about Saturn that you didn't know when we started. And maybe if you already know something, this will add some richness to how to use it in your life because this entire show is going to be dedicated to the understanding of Saturn. And hopefully, this show will become an icon um, on your desktop that you can press and listen to whenever you want. Joining me today, and this is Mark Husson, um, are three amazing people. You know, I'm not going to give a, lo a lot of long introductions because you probably know them or have heard of them. First, I'd like to introduce um, a newcomer to the radio with us, uh, psychological astrologer, uh, Mr. John Joseph. John, are you with us? I'm here. Yay. Next to John on our, on our psychic roundtable sits a woman that has... Um, been doing astrology with us for longer than I can even admit to because it would really date me. She has uh, two radio shows on the air. She teaches astrology. She writes the astrology article every single week in the Power Peak. Uh, and I know you know her by name by now, and you and you probably had a lot of fun with her picture. Please welcome, if you would, C.A. Brooks. C.A., are you with me? I sure am. Hi, Mark. Hey, welcome to the show, and thanks for thanks for being here on the on uh, on doing this show in the middle of an afternoon on a Saturday. We're here next on the roundtable. We have uh, someone who again has written for the Power Peak for several uh, years. Uh, he is a scholar. Um, you know him on his Wednesday morning show, uh, Out of Mo's Mind. And if you would welcome my dear friend. And colleague Mo Abdelbaki. Mo, are you here? I'm right here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you made it too. And last and certainly not least on our roundtable is an astrologer that I got to meet by virtue of OneToListen.com. And her voice, as you well know, a lilt on the air with her two birds. She also is a guest writer once a month with her incredible scopes and predictions at, on the Power Peak. If you would welcome, please, Alita McClelland. Alita, you here? Hello, 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 everyone. <laughs> you know, that's an iconic greeting, Alita. It is so you, and it's so good to hear it. Thanks for joining us today. You guys, I'm going to jump right in because we have a lot to cover and a lot of excitement. A lot of people are wondering about Saturn. It, it, it has a really bad rap, I think. Saturn, people roll their eyes around when they hear it's coming. They, they fear it when they hear things like Saturn return, uh, Saturn's changing signs. And I think this is our chance to sort of bring some illumination to it, and I'm really really excited to do that with this particular group. And I thought what we would do is sort of focus on the past first, like how it got how it got its reputation. And Mo, I'm going to single you out just to kick us off with sort of like, uh, and, and I want to give an addendum here. Mo um, is a Vedic astrologer. He knows Western astrology equally as well. And we're going to let him talk about Vedic astrology, but we're, he's agreed and in, in supporting us and focusing on Western astrology. So we're all talking about the same planet. But Mo, whatever, wherever you draw your wisdom from on Saturn, 
help us understand a little bit about its history and maybe a, a mythological story you have that sort of relates to um, where Saturn got its reputation from. Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I, I want to talk a little bit about the mythology of Saturn. And the problem is that we really have an abbreviated version of the myth. And I think we've all heard the myth that Saturn was a titan and that he castrated his father, Uranus, with... Um, uh, with the scythe, and, and that uh, that's actually how Venus was born, um, on the half shell, I might add. But anyway, so... Uh, so hey, <laughs> that's exactly how I heard that's it. That's right, exactly. <laughs> um, but, and then the, he begins eating his children, you know, because he doesn't want to give up being the king of everything. And so eventually Zeus uh, replaces a stone and he swallows the stone and Zeus then takes him over and so on and so forth. Well, we all know that story. And it makes Saturn sound like a really grumpy guy, you know, just a terrible fellow. There's more to the myth. And the problem is the myth doesn't get told very often. But in Rome, they love the myth of Saturn and they love Saturn. Here's what happens. So he gets deposed. He doesn't want to be the king anymore. He has to come to Earth. You know, wah, wah, you know, poor Saturn. And had to give up the rings, I guess. And he comes down here to Earth and he goes and he teaches uh, people, human beings, agrarian skills. He teaches them how to plant and how to farm, animal husbandry. He teaches them all of this stuff. He, he goes to Rome, essentially, and ushers in what they called the Golden Age, the age of Saturn for them was the golden age. Hunger was unknown. The arts flourished. There was equality amongst everybody. Farmers were considered exalted. They were actually farmer kings that they had at that point, much like Osiris in ancient Egypt, the same sort of thing. There was no slavery. They were vegetarians because they didn't need to eat meat. And there was harmony and all sorts of good times. Hmm. That's Saturn. And what happened eventually was that the Romans, remember, they're Romulus and Remus and Mars and all that sort of thing, and even the Jupiterian energies. What happens is that they say, gosh, all that's good and well, but we can't take over the world with that. And we certainly are being invaded upon. So they viewed Saturn as being kind of a hippie, <laughs> you know, and not being a desirable energy except for once a year, Right around this time, December 17th or so, they had the Saturnalia. They had a statue of Saturn, get this, that is actually tied up around the legs with 10 pieces of wool, right? Mm -hmm. These 10 pieces of wool re reflect the 10 uh, uh, months of the year. December, right, means 10th month. And what they would do during the Saturnalia is untie Saturn to allow him to walk again and for what the Romans considered to be chaos to take over which was fun and drinking and having a pretty good time. So Saturn does not have to be the grumpy old man that he's, he's shown to be in, in modern times. That came through fear. That came in the Middle Ages, really, because, of course, Saturn represents mortality because it is the very farthest edge of the solar system. Now, Mo, in, the, in that system, was he called Saturn? That was his oh, name? Oh, yes. That was okay. his name. Kronos in... Um, in Greece. And we get the word chronometer from that, which of course is time. Now, it should be noted, and we're going to see if anybody else wants to, to add to this history, that Saturn um, is considered the ruler of Capricorn. So when we talk about Capricornian things, we're going to hear a lot of similar synonyms. Also, if you're looking in your chart, Saturn's the little 
um, short the little the little H. You know how to make a little H with a cross at the top of the stem. And so if you're looking to find where Saturn is in your chart, just so you can start understanding this a little bit. This is Alita, and I because Saturn is quite close to my son, it's really conjunct good enough for government work to my son. I've been looking at this sucker for a long time. <laughs> You've been a Saturn groupie. That's good. A Saturn groupie saying, okay, talk to me, baby. And he was respected and revered as the bringer of the material plane into existence so that we could have a playground. Um, he was not considered the God who created the material plane. But he was really highly thanked, respected, hosannaed for bringing it into a form, you know, his thing, that we could be in and play in. And what's really interesting is it's so cool to be alive right now for a whole lot of reasons. But one of them is when you look at Saturn, the new books being written about him and the philosophies and ideologies and the understandings of him now are shifting in direct relationship to how we regard being connected to the earth. The more the environmental movements get revved up and connected and the return of the earth goddess type movements and just our respect for time itself and the fact that we live longer, Saturn's description is now changing into more of that good energy that gives us the time to develop. But yeah, he's gone through a lot of different personas. Nice. That's that's rich. So what we're learning so far, um, and and we can start adding to this, is we're starting to paint a picture of where maybe Saturn got its reference to time, to agriculture, to the earth, to uh, using the earth to form, and to um, the uh, body, to the bones. Um, and we're going to... CA, do you have more to add? Um well, actually, I have a question for Mo, or kind of a statement oh, and a question yeah. for Mo. And this has to go if we can kind of divert into the Tarot. Because even though Saturn is related to the world card, Capricorn is related to the devil. And quite frankly, as I was listening to the mythology that Mo was talking about, it sounds very much like the devil card. Because the devil card to me is related to Pan and the nature spirits. And certainly that idea of just so totally getting into the body and enjoying yourself and working the land, etc. So Mo, do you have any comment about the devil and Capricorn as related to Saturn and that mythology that you told us? Sure, one man's devil is another man's god. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point. Look at the look at the incarnation um, artistically of the devil in the West. You know, he's a guy with horns, uh, with cloven hoof and a, and a tail and a pitchfork, right? Well, what's a pitchfork for? Well, we, maybe that's with Neptune. No, it's for pitching hay. So he's an agrarian sylvan, what they call a sylvan deity. He's a satyr. Um, constantly erect, excuse the terminology, well, it's not that bad. Um, but, you know, the point is, is that that is not exactly, that is the, the what we call the day sign of, well, it's not actually, it's the night sign of Saturn. But that's the side of Saturn that Saturn itself is about, see, for me, the devil card is about ambition and drive and getting it done and pushing through things and the details. They're all saying the devil is in the details. The mm -hmm. devil card to me, you know, the world card is about formation and how things came to be. The universe card, if, depending on the deck you're using. But when we look at the devil card, that's about pushing through. And the connection between 
what happens in the world from and well or how that becomes manifested from what happens from inside of us so you have to remember a lot was forbidden by religion by dogma by society in general so i think that even though saturn rules capricorn the devil has a very different energy and yet when i think about saturn i certainly think about structuring and pushing through Mm -hmm. Well, in, in Hinduism, well, in Vedic astrology, one of the names for Saturn is Sani, right? And the word, that comes from the Sanskrit root that the word sanity, or not sanity, sanitation comes from. So mm. it sanitizes, but it does so in a very specific way, and that's what makes it beautiful. Is there any relationship to the green man and the devil? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. And the green man, of course, is closer to the fool, but those two cards are extremely connected. They're both highly phallic energies. I'll put it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for indulging me. Of course. Yeah, thanks. And you guys do that. Like, ask anything you want of anybody as it, as it comes up. Um, John, anything um, to add to how we got to this um, mythology or to these descriptions of Saturn that you want to add to that? No, not really. There's, um, I've read a lot of the different interpretations of the myth, and I don't think it really matters which one you look at. It's how you apply it to your understanding of like what Saturn is to you today. Mm. Um, and I, I see Jupiter and Saturn as a polarity, whereas um, like Jupiter would be a Zeus figure. Saturn, Moe's description was great. It was the golden age of Rome. Um, Saturn having purpose, focus, um, like military, um, hmm. where everything falls in place. The Jupiter energy would be like the wild party, scattered energy all over the place. And I think those two throughout all of history play off each other. So... Um did you pick Jupiter because I was thinking when they were talking, like, the planets go in order. The Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, um, Jupiter, and then Saturn. The Moon's in there, too, right after the Sun. So it goes Jupiter and then Saturn. And then after Saturn, we take this huge leap into Uranus. So they're not very close, but Jupiter and Saturn are. Is that where Jupiter falls in? Is that why you pulled Jupiter into the picture? Because it was the closest one to Saturn before we leave? Um, yes, that. And also, just to tie it in with the myth of... Um the Zeus and Saturn. Um, Zeus is a Jupiter figure, so th it's those two. Um, oh, the myth that, that we talked about earlier. Gotcha. Yeah, the myth mythological stuff. That and Zeus is expansion, and Saturn yes. is contraction. Yes. Oh, right. nice. So, you guys, some of the key words that we've brought together for Saturn right now are: it's a form, it's agriculture, it's time, it's bones, it's ambition, it's um, sanitizes, um, it's militant and military and its structure and i think that's pretty remarkable just in the keywords you all were describing in the stories you were telling we garner this picture of this a planet now is there any other keywords that we want to throw because i before what i'm going to do next is we're going to come into how this uh, this planet with all its energies affects signs and and so yeah. right now it's in the sign of scorpio in the western system on the 23rd of december it enters the sign of sagittarius and that's therefore why we're talking about this show so are there other keywords other than um 
the responsibility and the time and the structure and the form that that we want to talk about. Because I'm going to ask uh, you guys to get a little more into um, some of its purpose in the current time. Before we come current, let's make sure we've got a good working definition of Saturn. Are there any keywords we need to add? Well, Mark, I would say this. I mean, at least when I read a chart and when I look at a chart, and like Alita, I have Saturn actually interacting with my Sun, Mars, Venus, and Neptune. So I can't get away from this guy, you know? <laughs> he's, he's a big thing in my life. You know, just as an aside, maybe we all do. Can I just ask really quick, Mo, do you have Saturn close to anything? Um, other than my heart, no. It's in my 12th house. It's in your so. 12th. And John, do you have it close to anything? Oh, yeah. It's conjunct the sun and Mercury, and it's in aspect to almost every other planet. Okay, and I have it on my ascendant and my moon, and Alita does, and CA does. So, Mo, I get it. And Mo's the one. <laughs> Mo, Mo's working the, the, it from two different places, too, with Vedic and Western. So, anyway, CA, carry on. That's good. I just wanted to find out. Okay, well, and so this is what I think of it. I always call him the cosmic clutter clearer. Mm. That's how I see it, because it is that contracting function. But it's also, let's get rid of all the distractions. Let's focus on what's really important. So it seems to me, when I look at it in a natal chart, or when I look at where is it transiting, what is it doing, it's clearing the clutter. It's getting to the basics. It's laying a new foundation. I also think of it as an auditor, because to me, it comes along in our lives and it asks us the question, what's your plan? How are you going to make this happen? And so to me, it's always auditing or it feels oftentimes like an external, you know, power or authority. I personally think it's our personal power and our personal authorship of our lives, our own authority. But I think it acts like an auditor. It's asking us the tough questions so that we can see what our answers are. And when we see what the answers are, then we get to choose which way we're going to go. But I see it as a as a cosmic clutter clearer and an auditor. Okay, that's awesome. And so we're going to add that to our list of words. And um, Alita, did you have something you wanted to add? I heard you maybe jumping, wanting to say something simultaneously. You know, I think I'll be the one that doesn't sing his praises so much. <laughs> okay, <Yep>. good, good, good. <laughs> so he's not your 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 little cosmic cleaner. What's, oh, what, oh, yeah, I love that part. Everything everybody said is absolutely true. He's also a pain in the ass. He's <laughs> no, that's Uranus. <laughs> in what way, Alita? How do you see the... the... How my sons say that, and I don't mean the, pl you know, the yeah. nice blowing stuff in the sky. I mean, my children say the same thing. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> um, Sorry. I love that one. I'm going to get lost. Uh-oh. Okay. Um. You How know, do you see Saturn as difficult? Like, in what ways do you think some of the more harsh aspects show up? Like restrictions that we cannot see the outcome of as human beings. And Saturn is so much the long view, having come in as the the way in the when I was talking to y'all about the Mesopotamian uh, version of this, the way he was able to bring in. The material plane which some other god created was through creating time was through actually inventing a previously never been there never been anywhere concept called time to connect to space to create matter to give it form and we humans once we get an idea 
once we know where we think we must be or where we're going, we'd like it to happen very quickly. And there is this richness, fullness, this kind of nobility. These are all good things. <laughs> yeah, that, where was the negative in here, Alita? <laughs> I'm coming. And dignity to what he gives us time to do. But, oh, my good Lord, is he totally willing to put what look like roadblocks, challenges, um, uh, d- 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 uh, side roads, um, challenges, challenges, and challenges in our way. If we get old enough, we can look back and say, oh, that helped me form. And it almost always comes down to a sentence like that. That helped me form. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be who I am today if that spill in the blank hadn't happened. But I don't know about you all. I, di- I didn't like any of those. I thought I was ready when I was three. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think Saturn is wisdom and maturity. And by the way, because I call it the cosmic clutter clearer and the auditor doesn't mean I think it's easy. I agree with you. I think it's a pain in the butt. And I have, not, I have not liked it in Scorpio at all. See, now but, I call, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead well, I was just going to say, but I would agree that, you know, mostly the limitations, the blockages, the delays are things that I'm not going to say are necessary, but there are curriculum, there are teachers. And so the more we can learn to not kick and scream and just say, okay, what am I supposed to see in this situation? What can I learn from it? Then the easier it gets. But no, it's initially not very easy. We want to manifest something in this moment. We don't want to wait. And Saturn always says, I'm going to take it step by step, day by day, brick by brick. It okay. teaches patience and a kind of faith in life. Yeah, I mean, it, it forces patience, I think. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's sort of like if you move too fast, Saturn sort of tends to say, eh, uh, not so fast. And, and so I think that's where sometimes it gets its negative rap. And I think we've got a really solid foundation of how to present Saturn when people are listening. So when they... Um, and I, and I want to kind of bring it home a little bit. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to pass the, um, talking stick over to, um, you, John. And, um, can you summarize when, as an astrologer, when you're looking at somebody's chart, when you see Saturn, what do you do to, um, what, how, how do you reference it in your mind? Like you're seeing somebody's Saturn. What do, what does the voices in your head say? I look at Saturn as, um, intricate with a person's life purpose. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a wound, but I would say that it's like an extreme sensitivity. Wherever Saturn is in your chart, you're sensitive to um, that, that house represents the area of your life you're sensitive to and the sign that it's in. Um, For example, someone with Saturn in the second house might have money issues their whole life and be extremely aware and conscious of having to focus on money issues. Whereas someone else with Saturn in a different house, you know, money is still important to them, but they give no thought to it. It's just easy. It's mindless. I think Saturn forces a focus, forces a development. Um, It's something we deal with our whole life over time. Okay, and do you, do you, I'm sorry to interrupt you, do you give more credence, but I wanted this out while you're talking so people could hear it, do you give more credence to one than the other, house or sign? With Saturn, um, I always give more credence to the house and the aspects it makes. Because it stays in the same sign for two and a half years, everybody in that two and a half year period will have the same sign, so that does have some significance, but the house and the aspects are much more personal. Yeah. You all agree then, huh? Yeah. 
Okay, so um, it's not so important. You could have Saturn in Scorpio is one kind of issue that it colors, but the true issue is where that occurs is what you all are saying, pretty much. Yes, yes. for me. Okay. And, and do you agree, Mo? Uh, Mark, it hung up on me, so I'm sorry. I, I just now got back in on the conversation. Oh, good. That's good. No, absolutely. Um, John was saying that uh, he considers house placement as probably the big priority. And then aspects, oh, that, and yeah. then a sign as as a coloring of that. But he absolutely gives more credence to the house placement. Do you 100%. agree with that? One hundred percent. Oh, that's excellent. That means that when people listening here, they need to be able to locate their Saturn in their houses because we're going to ask you guys to take us through some of these things within the natal chart. So, listeners, if you have access to your natal chart, the circle with the planets and the symbols in them, and you can locate where Saturn is, we're going to ask this team of brilliant astrologers to go through the houses and see this is the Saturn you were born with. Because I want people listening to understand there's two Saturns we're going to be talking about. The Saturn that was in your natal chart and will stay there for your entire lifetime. We'll, we're going to talk about that one right now. Before we end the show, we're going to talk about where the Saturn in the sky, when it hits one of your houses, and what that means. So we've got a lot to do with Saturn. This is a good show for dealing with that. But I am going to kick us off with houses. And I'm going to start, Alita, we're going to bring you in to see if you would talk to us about if somebody is born, if somebody's born with Saturn in the first, let's, what, what is your take on that? Where do you see that as um, an issue for them or how would you define that? Saturn in the first. Okay. As poster child for it. And <laughs> That's right. You got it in the first. Poster children who have this. I'm going to start gently. We're going to start easy, as Tina Turner would say, and then we'll rev it up. There is an assistance. It is like having an inner father that never leaves. And bit by bit, slowly allows you to to see the dignity and the intelligence and the wisdom that you genuinely desired to live and be on the inside. But the way it often, and this is the part that, you know, good old Saturn will, will do every trick in the book, the way it can often play out is there's a kind of squelching of the self. Again, Saturn, one of the concepts of Saturn is the minimizing, making small, the the coming in of rather than the expansion that we spoke about before of Jupiter. So there is often in childhood a minimizing in some way, a making small of the true self because the first house is, who am I? The self. And one of the beauties of having it there is often the person has to really figure out who the genuine self is, often because the self that they're told they are isn't accurate. Um, a, a very striking example of it, which is in my life, is that nobody in my family or extended family believes that astrology could possibly be real. And yet the minute I saw it as a youngster, I knew and everybody in my family is psychic and intuitive, but none of them acknowledge it. And I couldn't shut up about it. I, I knew this, there was this other thing going on. And part of the Saturn process in the first house is, and, I'll, and there's so much, I mean, there's so much in each house, is defining what the self is, often with some resistance 
that one has to navigate through, including being unsure, including being um, questioned from the inside and the out, including um, feeling like things are held down until there's a real sense, and this is the enormous gift of Saturn every time, a real sense of sureness, not absolutes, We'll get to that in Sagittarius with dogma, but sureness of, oh, I do know this. This is real. It's okay to have this, to be this, to be this person. It's okay. In fact, I came to, but it probably is going to take time. Alita, so in, in a sentence, um, when somebody comes to you and you see the chart and you, they, they, you see Saturn, what would it look like to the outside world, this person with Saturn in the first house? How might they often be characterized before they do their, you know, like right in the middle of life, before you do a lot of work or have your uh, first return? Saturn in the first might appear in what way to the world as a personality? Like what, what would people notice about somebody with Saturn in the first yeah, this is this is one of those things where it gets to be. It depends on the aspects. It depends on what other planets are doing, because right. the general concept is that the person appears kind of serious and stern. Yes, exactly. But, but that's not always. No. you know, they can have they 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 have a moon in the right. You know, right, right. Exactly. We're not going to analyze like the time because that's going to happen when we do transits. But okay. in general, to help people understand the nature of Saturn, Saturn people in the first probably are going to appear a little more stoic. Which is why if somebody says I'm a Gemini rising, but I'm not, I'm not that playful Gemini everybody talks about, there's a good chance they might have Saturn sitting there. Man, it's just good to know. And so that's what we're trying to do. And we do know that there's a million exclusions and exceptions, but in general, just want to get a feel for the natal chart so people can understand that personality. And that was well-spoken. Uh, does anybody want to add to Saturn in the first before we jump to the second? Yeah, I'd like Lita has Saturn conjunct her sun in the first house. And a lot of what she described was the sun-Saturn conjunction more than it was Saturn in the first house. Um, oh, gotcha. Talk about when that. When she's yeah. speaking about the real self, she's speaking about the sun. The first house is the persona. It's the personality. It's not the self. It's what's projected out into the world. It's what people project onto. And anyone with Saturn in this first house has a very strong sensitivity to what's being projected onto them. Oh. Many times they mistake it for themselves. And that's what causes a lot of the problems. Where they, where they think that people see their their personality or their mask but they don't see the real self and i think that's an issue for everyone with saturn in the first house so to define saturn as the place that you had said earlier john is a place of sensitivity kind of oversensitivity. and if it's in the first and the first house is how we're, the world sees us what we're projecting in the world what you're saying is there's an, a tendency to sensitivity on how i'm interpreted on how I'm yes seen. Okay. yes and one of the main issues is to build a personality that's strong enough, confident enough, and centered enough to be able to deal with the world and the projections of the world. It's like showing up for who you are. That makes sense in what I know about Alita, and it makes sense in what I know about me. There exactly. Is a, there is an absolute... Um, I get a little torqued when somebody misinterprets what, what I'm doing. And I know that about Alita, because when we, we, we've actually <laughs> had talks about it, where it's like she wants... Because Alita, I think, is very sensitive to... She like if you misinterpret what she's doing, she wants you to not understand. That's not what where I was coming from, and I and I think you did that a little, Alita, when you talked about. Well, there's a million aspects that could be involved. You want to make sure that you aren't 
being seen as someone who would box somebody in just so simply. And I think that's that's very powerful stuff. Very good, John. Thank you for that. Um, CA, can you talk a little bit about what you think of when you see somebody with a natal born with Saturn in the second house? Sure. Well, I'm going to add to what John had previously said, because he had talked about Saturn sitting in the second. And sometimes it's an overfocus on money. But if we think about the second, we're really talking about what makes us feel safe, what makes us feel secure, but also our self-worth. And so once again, because Saturn takes time to develop, this may be a person that it takes a long time for them to get a clear understanding of who they really are and what they're really worth without tagging that to what they consider to be their stuff. You know, their resources, their money, their income, because it's too easy, I think, for those people to all of a sudden say, I am my stuff. I am what I have accumulated, mm. and that just is simply not true. But another thing I'd say about Saturn is, to me, it's also where we're almost like a diamond in the rough. And so if we do our homework, if we keep polishing, if we keep working at that particular area of our lives, then we really shine. But in this case, in the second, I think it takes time for us to figure out that we do have this slower approach or this more mature approach, but if we keep at it, it will really pay off. So I've seen people with Saturn in the second really become very, very good with money and have lots of money, but only when they're really willing to work at it mm. and when they're willing to take self-responsibility and I when they can so kind of get Saturn. that detachment that says, I am not my stuff, <laughs> but rather self-worth comes from me and therefore I can create money, I can create resources whenever I need it. My security is not based on it. I like that. So the first house we're saying, I am not your opinion of me. And the <laughs> yeah. second house we're saying, I am not my stuff. That's really good. Um, and is there, um, do anybody else want to add to the second house? That was great, CA, for the, um, before we move to the third. And people listening, we're talking about the Saturn in which you were born, where it is in your chart. And, I, and, and would you also, would you all agree or not that Saturn, wherever Saturn is, it's it's our late bloomer placement too, like right? It, right that stuff comes later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to prove everybody right about what they said. <laughs> 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 that was what I was about to go into about the first house and that difference between it being the self and the presentational self. Saturn in the first house takes its time to feel thorough about what it presents to the world and whether the sun is there or not. It there is a uh, sternness about making sure that the presentation represents correctly. Yeah. It is I, true. I still to this day am um, very squeamish about presentation. Like even in forums, especially in forums where you type something and people read it, I, I'm so aware of the haters. Not just of me, but they'll hate anything. You know, like they'll make fun. And how sensitive I am to that. And it's just Saturn in the first. And you learn over time, eh, it's just, it's, people need a place to put it. It's not personal, but you have to rethink it. It's really good. Um, John, well, I, you were born well, with, go ahead, go ahead. I took a real diversion in that, and I thought I had tricked it. I became an actress. So I was presenting oh. time until one day I had this epiphany that I wasn't presenting me. Mm. And like three days later, I stopped acting. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, holy. Okay. The Saturn wound. That's good. I love it. Um, John, you were born with Saturn in the third, so it'd be neat if you would talk a little bit about your perception of what that would mean to somebody with it in the natal chart. 
Um, well, first of all, I see the third house as the conscious mind. Um, it's the awareness of the environment, the immediate surroundings. Um, it's Gemini ruled, so it's facts, figures, logic. Mm -hmm. um, Saturn in the third house usually starts with um, a feeling of um, being impacted by the environment. Um, it almost dulls the mind where the mind gets overwhelmed. Um, in, in the long run, what it builds is someone that um, has a more serious mind, a more focused mind, um, stronger boundaries of the mind, but they're all things that have to be built from survival so that you're not overwhelmed by the environment. Wow. Okay, so with a, like where we said, I am not what people think of me and I am not my, um, uh, my I am not my uh, things, uh, would we say here, I am not my environment? I am not my mind. I am not my mind. Oh, that's I, good. I, or a better way of saying that is I am not the voice in my head that talks to itself or notes and <laughs> interacts with the environment. Excellent. That's Go Are ahead. you sure? <laughs> <laughs> that is so, I love here. you know, it's kind of fun when A Course in Miracles kind of weaves its way into the conversation. Um, CA, do you have Saturn, where's your Saturn placement natally? My Saturn is in the 10th. Okay, I wondered why you why you told John, are you sure about that? That maybe you had it down there too. She has a loaded third house. That's why yeah. she said that. <laughs> That's great. That's all in conjunct Saturn. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Mo, you still there? I don't know. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mo, is you, are you hearing anything you disagree with? No. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've been a Vedic astrologer for a while. I and know. so <laughs> I, I'm kind of playing with these ideas back and forth and, you know, uh, Putting it not a different spin, but you know, we look at Saturn in, in Vedic. I mean, they they view it with great, uh, you know. I don't view it that way because I've got to dealt. What with was it. that again? How do you? What uh, was it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Let it be noted that he shuddered. Okay, that's go right. Ahead. That's, but I, it's interesting because you know, for example, I've seen Saturn in the second turn people into incredible tightwads. You know, yeah, and I've seen Saturn in the first make them tall and thin. It's kind of fascinating, and then you get into, of course, aspects and all that. But uh, no, I, I don't disagree with anything I've heard, not at all. And I think your take is amazing. It's really fun because it's like we're in the third house talking about how the mind thinks. And so it's nice to see your take on anything that like add that little Vedic twist to it because it does. It makes sense to us in the Western world when you're talking about that. So Saturn in the third in, in Vedic can limit your number of siblings. You know? Oh, perfect. Yeah. You know what it also I've noticed does? Makes you the adult of the siblings, even if you're not the first. You darn right it does. You bet. Exactly. So those key words are kind of coming into play mm -hmm. here. Responsibility, uh, uh, slow to, um, uh, well, the, the late bloomers, but because they're do, busy doing the work, the do, you know, working. <laughs> that, that we, we'll hear that a exactly. lot about Capricorns. Um, so, no, Mo, we're, we have you now. Let's talk about Saturn, people born with Saturn in that fourth house placement. Okay. Oftentimes, I see Saturn in the fourth as bringing trouble between uh, the person who has it and their mother's. Um, they oftentimes will complain that their mothers are very cold to them and not necessarily open-hearted. And oftentimes I have found that to be not true when I've met the mother, for example, mm -hmm. but that's how they view them. 
Um, I've seen it hurt people's education or at least their self-esteem when it comes to what they can learn. If they overcome that, they can become incredibly uh, well-learned and end up with PhDs and postdoctoral uh, sorts of things, but they have to really understand at a base level. Um, usually very opinionated because they've spent a lot of time and they can get stuck in um, certain types of thinking, thinking that is not necessarily for the betterment of mankind. <laughs> um, and that's because they, there is this, it's this sense of being alone, you know. Uh, that fourth house can be how we deal. I mean, it's our, in the old system of astrology, it is the mother. I know that it, it becomes the father later on. But it's also how we deal with women and how we deal with uh, each other. And there's a sort of a socialization there. But more than that, it's about the socialization in the family. So oftentimes I've seen those fourth house Saturn people feel very alone in their families. Like they, they're not only the adult, but they're the only adult in the entire family. And sometimes it's just a perception and not the truth. So, and it's not a bad thing because what they do is they become incredibly individual. That's one thing about Saturn in the fourth. If you have Saturn in the fourth, you are an individual and you are not prone to following fads very easily. No, oh, interesting take. I do agree um, as a, a Western astrologer in the more modern vein of things, it has become the father. Mm -hmm. And so if you're if you're a Saturn in the fourth person listening to this and thinking, God, no, it, it was really, uh, oftentimes it's the mom who had to come in and act the role of the dad because mm -hmm. it, it had a, a certain kind of duty and utilitarian household feeling to it. Um, would anybody like to add anything to the fourth Mo? Thank you, that was awesome. Usually, usually rather... By the way, and when it comes to homes and everything, rather not simple tastes, but not given to Rococo, not given to a lot of gaudy stuff. Function, functional, yeah. functional exactly. reform. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Anybody want to add to the fourth? What I've seen with Saturn in the fourth, um, it tends to be a drive for people looking for their, um, their real family, people of their own kind. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> like the fourth house is like your roots, your tribe. When Saturn's there, a lot of times you're born into a family where, like Mo said, there's a loneliness because you're the odd man out. And a lot of the life is in finding where you fit in, finding people of your own sensitivities. Nice. Right. That's um, good. Beautifully put. And an example of that would be like Maya Angelou had it there in her fourth house. And that was her whole life is finding people that didn't think she was nuts. Wow. <laughs> and look at that late bloomer energy again, wow. where yeah. you kind of come into it later in life, wherever your Saturn is. Now, because I want to talk so much about Saturn in the future, too, and also Saturn in Sag, we have a lot of topics to cover. We're going to go a little faster on the, the next houses, because I want everybody, This is like I said, the definitive Saturn show. So, John, we're going to come back to you and see what you have to say about um, uh, what you see when you see Saturn in the fifth. No, that was Alita's. Was it Alita's? <laughs> yeah. My bad. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. We Alita. have a structure here, Mark. <laughs> oh, that I just. This is Saturn after all. It's so true. And thank you. And um, Alita, I'm sorry. You did the f first, so we got to have you do the fifth. There's, there's, a, I love, you know, it's hard not to get involved in hearing everything everybody's saying because it's juicy. I know. The, the folks, the fourth house Saturn folks are often so loyal and patriotic. Oh, good. It's, it's a, of a piece of what everybody was saying. And it, no, and that's I, good. I, I love that. I love, you know, it's like if somebody's patriotic, 
you know, I, I look to see if it's in the fourth house. Okay, so the fifth house Saturn folks, they don't play for fun. They play for real. It's, it's so, it's so well funny. put. It's so funny to see them. There, I, I wish I could remember exactly the name of this form of play that was developed to teach kids who had disabilities. But it was very serious play, and it was very. It was you know you do step one and step two, and you do not deviate, and then you do three. And it was created by a Saturn in the fifth house person. It was play, but it was structured to teach. And Saturn in the fifth house truly doesn't feel a relaxed comfort with just create creative self-expression, relaxing play. They kind of have to learn that spontaneity is acceptable in their being, in their visceral self. And they're the person who sits at the party and watches everybody. Mm. And if you talk to them, if you come up to them, they'll probably talk to you about serious things. <laughs> including what they've observed in the people that they're watching. Um, I think if somebody is alerted, because I take you seriously that we need to move along, if somebody is alerted to what this means for them, instead of trying to force themselves into the sausage roll of, okay, I'm going to learn to be spontaneous, <laughs> I'm be spontaneous now, I'll play okay, I've played for five minutes, I'm done, they can see how their mind can combine something that is in service, something that is useful, something that can be productive and give to the world in some way in a form that is playful, like that uh, beautiful program, whose name, of course, I can't think of right now, that teaches kids with disabilities how to read and write, but the format is play, but it's very structured. Hmm. They need to move into play with some reasonable reason. They're the kid who says, why is everybody playing baseball? And the kid playing baseball turns and says, because it's fun. And they're the one that starts analyzing why it's fun. Oh, that's good. That's good. And that's a great example. Um, and and I want to ask you, if Saturn is sort of like the late bloomer, would you see, these are some things that came to mind. Possibly people with this placement, Saturn in the fifth, might be late to come into their creativity. Well, they would um, be developing it all along. Developing the... all along, right. Ah. And not never really feeling it. That's a good point. And what about possibly older parents, people who have kids later? Would that be a Saturn in the fifth? Yeah, it's totally a Saturn in the fifth. I love that. Um, and so you and 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 then lastly, I want to find out from you: Is it likely to be a gambler here or a non-gambler, <laughs> like somebody who's excessive or non-excessive in gambling? I don't know. I mean, this is where I'm going to go to that thing about yeah. how is how's everything aspected? You know, what what else is going on? Because it's not necessarily. This is not somebody who is comfortable with that kind of dot 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 spontaneity. Right. So it depends, you know, if you've got other things going on that are pushing, that push it in the opposite direction, which often happens. You know, what's funny about this, describing it, I, I almost feel like saying, and for everything we've described, there's the person where it's opposite because of all the other things going on. Yeah, because the Saturn being sensitive, you can be... Um, Oh, you can overcompensate, right? By uh, being over, like if you're Saturn in Aries and you're shy, sometimes Saturn in Aries people like all of a sudden have this incredibly inappropriate anger because they're 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 learning it. They have <laughs> so you're right. So it, it it's easily both, and that's great. 
And yet, if it is, if it is the compensating kind, again, unless, you know, blah, blah, blah about the rest of the chart, but there, there is a discomfort because there's innately, it's learning the purpose of spontaneity and creative process and creative self-expression and self-expression in general. It's learning its purpose. So if somebody's compensating, even then they're going to go through something where they get to what was the real purpose in this? Right. Why was I really doing this? Right. It gets down to that purpose in Saturn. That's great. Thank you, Alita. Anybody want to add to Saturn in the fifth? Okay. CA, will you, um, will you take Saturn in the sixth? I sure will. And I would just say, once again, I love Alita using the word purpose, because I think that's what Saturn is always after. What is your plan? What is your purpose? And when we hit the sixth house, to me, that is the house where we consciously develop it, although some of them could be innate, but knowledge, skills, and abilities that we want to use in work or that we ultimately will use in our career. This is also the house that really describes our habits and our routines, you know, like what our general approaches to life and you know do we get up at six o'clock every morning and have grapefruit for breakfast or do we just go well I'm just going to see what happens and so when Saturn sits in the sixth very much like the fifth you know we're not as willing to take as many risks you know we're much more structured about the way we do things Mm -hmm. so what I find with people that have Saturn in the sixth they're usually pretty serious about their knowledge skills and abilities they're pretty serious about what they feel is their work or their career And if they haven't found it, then they're very anxious about getting on with it and just finding what it what is my contribution? How am I supposed to serve the world? Because they want to be seen as serious. They want to be seen as responsible. But I think this is where I almost kind of go back to the Capricorn energy and even the devil card. I think in the sixth, it also has to do with health. And it has to do with, we can get into, I think, some really bad habits and routines, and then we don't want to let them go when Saturn is sitting there. Although Saturn is is asking us to really focus on the important, I think sometimes we can really dig in our heels and just not let go of something and not really kind of get our heads out of the sand about issues that we may be having. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we have bad health. I, I have not seen Saturn in the sixth you know, predict that kind of thing. But I do see it predict hanging on to habits that some may not be as good as others. Once we develop it, it's like we're not going to let it go. But in terms of health, I would say one more thing, and that is that when we feel like we're being recognized and honored, when we feel like we're using our knowledge, skills, and abilities, we tend to have good health. And the opposite is true as well. So people with Saturn in that sixth house, they really want to get to that place where they feel like they are serving, where they are doing something that's important and they're being recognized for it. You covered everything that I thought of. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, in a good way, because I was thinking, I was going to ask you, um, health is probably related to the feeling of purpose. Do I have, Mm -hmm. what's, you know, am I doing a purpose here? Do I have any meaning? And that um, I was going to ask you, is spontaneity one of the things of (laughs) Saturn in the sixth? And, you know, I hear Alita going, it could be, it could be the opposite. But it's usually, they have the harder time, I think, taking those leaps of spontaneity out of their ritual was the idea. Right, right. Um, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to, I'm just going to keep pushing. And then, um, John, this would be now yours for Saturn in the seventh. Um, in the seventh house, Saturn places a focus on relationship. Um, you can see 
both extremes, someone who avoids relationships completely, very formal, strong boundaries, or someone that's looking to create the perfect relationship. Um, I think it's a lot about using relationships for projection, for learning, um, but it always places a heavy emphasis on them for better or worse. Are you ever shocked when somebody has Saturn in the seventh that they, that they tend to will talk about their relationships in the form of a struggle? Or do you notice that? Yes, I do notice that. Um, because there's such uh, focus, such everything's focused on the relationship. Yeah, and um, would you also, would we be able to say here that Saturn's the late bloomer in relationships as well? Like these are might be people that find their partners later in life? I don't know that it's so much about finding their partners as they spend so much time trying to create the perfect relationship that I think that lightens up in time where they learn how to use relationships. And to use is a key word for Saturn. That's right. To use something mm -hmm. for your own development where um, you're not trying to change the other person, you're using it to develop yourself. Are these the kind of people that would likely ask the question, why are we dating? <laughs> or why are we hooking up? Like, yeah, what's but, like, right? what, what are we building? Where is this going? What's the purpose of this relationship? Why do I even know you? <laughs> oh yeah that's good um that's awesome thank you john um, that's why there's so much fun with saturn in the fifth by the way too though <laughs> yes <laughs> why the people with saturn in the fifth have so much fun I, and i'm being you know yeah, i'm being yeah, yeah. facetious because you know that's a house also of love affairs and that's it's sort of like well what do i want to see you for do you want to get married and it's yes. sort of like if there's no commitment there's no future i want to know what the purpose of the relationship is that's right it's <laughs> the first date when are we getting married <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> that's good oh that's fun mo yes how are we doing on the eighth house Okay, here's a good one. I, I love this. I love, I love the eighth house. You know, it's a good place to be. But um, imagine you're walking along and you're in this beautiful meadow and you look down and there is a rock and it's this really interesting rock. Um, it's not that flashy, but you decide you're going to pick it up. And when you pick it up, out from underneath it come all sorts of really creepy, crawly things like centipedes and scorpions and snakes. <laughs> Saturn is the rock. Okay, <laughs> so that's... The, the effect of Saturn is kind of to keep the eighth house crazy stuff of our life, that the subconscious, the mind, the sexuality, that boiling um, part of us that gets upset with people, angry with people, it hides all that. And sometimes it does so to the, in a way of, of um, well, detriment, because if we don't acknowledge it, and it can acknowledge it, but if it seeks to hide it, to hide what's underneath the rock, it becomes judgment. It can become puritanism. It can also cause obsession because Saturn is nothing if not obsessive in the right hands. And so it can cause a sense of, um, of kind of almost paralysis of saying, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this, but every now and then I will. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's fascinating. It causes great intelligence. As a matter of fact, I would think that uh, some of the keenest detective minds, real detective minds, not, you know, book detective minds, probably have Saturn in the eighth because they're able to jump into this muck and immediately discern what's real and to clean it up. Wow. And do you consider the eighth house to be, like you said, sexuality? So we would look at um, 
So, I mean, I used to have fun teaching uh, eighth houses being like bedroom behavior. Would you yes. see these people with Saturn in the eighth house as likely loving one night stands? Um, <laughs> probably because no one will want to be with them again. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that you probably couldn't get them no. to do a one night stand. Oh, you right could, oh no, they're but they're because they oftentimes I've seen that some of these Saturn in, and I'm you know no offense to anyone listening who has it, but that Saturn in the eighth. You see, here's the thing: You're in Vedic say astrology, kinky, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I was going to say perverted, but kinky is better. <laughs> What's the difference? Feather chicken, right? Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> oh the idea is that. We look at uh, Saturn in Vedic as, as a malefic. I mean, that's what they call it. It's a hard planet. It doesn't play games with you. And so when we put it in a, in a house that's kind of difficult anyway, it actually brings something good. So, for example, the sixth house, it can be a, a difficult house because of health. But when you put Saturn in it, it gives you a stronger health. Well, when you put it in the eighth house, you know, um, it, it can really cause some interesting – I've seen really fantastic – uh, case studies with people that I've known over the years, and you just go, wow, this is quite amazing because it's a focus. It can either make them not want to ever do it again, or it can make them completely focused on it. Wow, that's good. That's fun. You know, and you guys are, and people listening, we're basically placing Saturn into the into the houses and then giving the house its traditional meaning, which means that if it was in the first, it's like um, Aries house, and it's in the second, it's Taurus house. And so you'll hear, like, notice that it's in the eighth, it's the Scorpio house, so it has to do with sexuality. Mo, do these people, and uh, just briefly, do these people, uh, is it traditional to be thinking that they have trouble with... Um, uh, taxes or inheritance or things like that, the old traditional. Yes, it can, but it usually gives longevity to spouses, right? Oh, gotcha. But not necessarily happy longevity. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you die already? That's no. right. Are you, <laughs> okay. you going to live forever? And it can also cause some problems with uh, reproductive organs. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. All right. That's awesome. Um, okay. Uh, Alita. Let's talk about the ninth, Saturn in the ninth. Well, this is where we're going. This is where ah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and of course, you know, it's very different when it's in the birth chart than when it's going to be offering us collectively and individually through this transit. I love that word. Um, in the birth chart, it, you're going to make fun of me because it does this or that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I I'm officially anyway. making no fun. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the place where the philosophies and the ideas and the expansion, the Jupiter, mind you, of the beautiful expanded mind and how that's offered is most at home. Here comes the nitpicker. It's almost like it takes ideas and philosophies and rationalizes and nitpicks with them, which gives rise to very well-defined dogma. Now, or somebody who's so practical-minded that they never even lift off. But because Saturn is the friend that takes you through the long road, often when I see somebody with Saturn in the ninth house, I know that they're going to learn slowly but so thoroughly and it's going to end up they're going to be 
it's going to be so much theirs by the time they're done with it. They're the people who ultimately create philosophies that land for others. Because of this long, slow road and the kind of nitpicking of everybody else's and the kind of standing back in the practical and saying, I don't do that. I don't take flights of fantasy. I don't, I don't, do, I don't go up into the air like that. I make it real. Would that make it hard for them to, uh, childhood-wise, uh, what, what do you think the spiritual or religious experiences are for, in general for people with that? Because they reject, it seems like they're, they don't just take things at face value. Whatever, well, I've seen it play out in so, in so many different ways. Um, sometimes they're in households where there's a lot of dogma, and it's not that they reject it, they don't, they don't buy it. Or they're in households where there's very little dogma, but they're looking for some. So they're looking for something. What they're doing is looking for that mix that we spoke about way earlier of what happens when you, when you put Jupiter and Saturn together. You want to expand into the heavens with your feet firmly planted on the ground. You want to have something that's got real basis to it, practical basis, is real. And then you'll fly. It's and got to be constructive. It's it, got to be. It's got to have value. Yes. If you were going to put a sensitivity on it for these people, do you have a phrase or, or sentence about what they would be sensitive to? Um, as many of them have beautiful imaginations, if they put their feeling self into it, they really want it to be real. Mm-hmm. And there's a real sensitivity to that of, don't take me into a fantasy unless it's real. Nicely said. That's good. I've seen that, actually. Um, yeah. and, that, and what we meant when Alita said, that's where we are, when we said Saturn in the ninth, she meant Saturn in the sky is going to go into Sag. And so Saturn in your natal chart entering the house of Sag is very similar. And so that's, that's where the comments came. Thanks, Alita. That's awesome. Um, and uh, just uh, moving, CA, you have Saturn in the tenth, right? I do. Okay, so good. You get to Loving talk about every Saturn moment in the tenth. Yay! Oh, good. <laughs> and you always have? No. Oh. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> Once again, being facetious, Mark. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. I would add to the ninth house, though, that when I see Saturn in the ninth, I often see a person who really becomes the expert and the teacher. Okay. Amen. You know, and I kind of look to them for that, like, you know, you know this stuff. You're going to be very good at this. You're going to teach the rest of us how to do it. So going on to the 10th, though, I do have Saturn in the 10th. And so I'm not sure I'm the best person to talk about it. <laughs> but oh. I guess what I would say is, once again, the, the 10th house, though, is about the career. But the career in terms of really ultimately, I think, where we want to make our mark on the world, where we have a reputation, a public reputation, what people think of us. And I think the 10th house is the place, maybe even more so than the first, where if we wanted to describe ourselves or if we wanted to leave a legacy, if we want, if, if I wanted to describe what I 
I want somebody to think of me, it's probably whatever the energy is in the 10th house. And so that's the sensitivity too. You know, is what is my public reputation? How am I seen by other people? Am I recognized? Am I acknowledged? So I think it does have to do with career, but when you've got Saturn there, then yeah, I think there can be some real difficulties with that. You know, maybe um, I think another thing about it would be just always working, working, working. There's never enough, always feeling um, a shortage or always feeling somehow that you haven't made it. Um, and I don't know if I'm getting too personal or projecting here. That's why I'm saying I'm not sure I should have done the 10th house. Well, but, but see, though, no, that's perfect because you're even doing it a little bit now. But keep going. That's good. Yeah, but basically that's it. It's about our career. It's about what ultimately we want to leave as our legacy in the world. And Saturn there says, I think that we're going to work hard. That once again, though, we are going to be experts in our field. We're going to be very good if we're willing to do our homework. But we may never see ourselves as the expert. Okay, so two questions uh -huh. um, that you can answer on a personal basis and, and maybe in chart experience. Do you, do you consider Saturn in the 10th possibly um, makes for late bloomer in finding yourself? What yeah, do. I do. I do. I think it does make for late bloomers finding yourself. But once again, almost like the ninth, when I see it in somebody else's chart, I'm almost always looking at a person who ultimately is going to be the expert, who is going to be somebody that can mentor or teach others. At, you know, they're going to be the one that I would go to to tell me how to, how to do something in particular. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the expert. And you might have mentioned this, but do you find yourself to be extremely um, sensitive to how you're perceived as a worker, as a, you know, like in your career? Are you sensitive to the image, your public image? You know, I would have to say yes and no. But I, when I say, I think the Saturn there does make for that. But in my chart, I've got my moon, as you well know, in Aquarius. And I'll tell you, that moon in Aquarius ultimately says, okay, if you don't get me, then I can't help you. You know, that's not my issue. That's not my fault. No, and what I think about it is that you also tend to, when you do something, you do it so thoroughly yes. that it's hard, not, it's hard not to think anything but good things about what you do. And I think almost that could be part of the mission behind it is, you know, I'm not going to have you thinking that I've sloughed on my job, you know, and it's, yeah, that, that's right. I would imagine that you take it as an insult if somebody thinks you took shortcuts. Yes. And, you know, and I would also say, though, when it comes to like even childhood or the way this kind of person reacts is I think I don't tend to take on things that I don't think I can do well. Yeah. I'm not much of go. a risk taker. So <laughs> if I don't think I'm going to do it well, I'm not going to commit to it in the first place. That's good. That's perfect. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's very clear. Um, anybody want to throw anything else in? 10th house? Okay, John, we're going to jump to the most probably misunderstood house of the entire chart wheel, at least for me. I think the 11th house is nebulous and kind of hard to understand. And I'm, I'm glad Saturn got you here. <laughs> well, I see the 11th house having to do with um, more group consciousness more being with people that share your same ideals. Um, Saturn there would be a sensitivity to finding that niche, finding, um, I think it's why a lot of people that take workshops, it's an 11th house focus. It's where you're with a group of people who are sharing the same ideals. Hmm. Um, and 
for better or worse, like a real good negative example of Saturn in the 11th would be Charles Manson. I mean, he formed his own group, you know. <laughs> did he have it in the 11th? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Where um, does the friend thing come in? Because of like-mindedness? Yes. Mm. Friend as different than, um, you know, like different than a seventh house relationship. It can be somebody that you meet all the time in workshops and you're friends and you share information and you call each other, but it's very Aquarian-like. There's a detachment to it. It's mental. Mm. Um, the 11th house is a very mental house. Um, is that where the hopes, wishes, dreams, because that's usually like the trilogy of, um, of synonyms that gets attributed to it. Do you, do you relate to that? Yeah, those are called ideals. Uh -huh. Like not what your idea of your life is, but what your ideals are. Okay, so Saturn here makes you um, sensitive, which, did you say, to the groups that you're choosing? Yes, yes. And it's, it's also, again, some of that Aquarian odd man out thing of um, oh. a lot of times people with Saturn in the 11th, an example being Doreen Virtue, she's very comfortable around her angel people, but I don't know that she'd be so comfortable going to a group that didn't know her as that. Oh, interesting. So an identification. Oh, okay. So Saturn there might make us feel that we don't fit in. And right. so we, we constantly seek like-mindedness to fit in. And we identify with it. Oh, good. With good, certain good. ideals. Ooh, that's juicy. That's good. Thank you. That does help. Um, anybody want to add 11th house? Going, going, gone? Okay, Mo. Yes. You get the infamous 12th house. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> And so I love to see the take on that because, um, and I do with, I, and feel free to explain the Vedic and Western if you want, mm -hmm. or if they're not very different, fine. Uh, Saturn in the 12th house is uh, usually an indication of a sex crazed genius. <laughs> and. <laughs> oh, do you have Saturn in the 12th? How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm not that far off. Uh, I don't know if I'm crazed. Um, the, the 12th house in. It's really kind of a mystery, I think. And uh, it, in the Vedic system, it is uh, pleasures of the bed, um, secrets that we keep. It's the subconscious, the unconscious. It's the dream world. It's actually plane work that, you know, when you work on other planes. But when you put Saturn in there, when you plop it in, what you have is a constant connection to it. It's actually not a bad thing because that 12th house is considered a house of moksha, what's called moksha, which is uh, liberation. So it's saying that you have a, a connection to that. For example, I have this uncanny ability uh, you know, to basically BS my way through almost anything. You know, It's yeah. just a ridiculous thing. I should admit this. But I do. <laughs> and that's Saturn in the 12th because you can drag stuff up from the, from the mind, from the, the great well of information. Um, it usually leads to pretty good memories. It leads to a very vivid interest I have found um, for the people of Saturn in the 12th with things that are not – that are unusual. The unusual. Uh, I mean it's no, it's no mystery to me that I was drawn to come to the 12th house bookstore. You know, yes, yes. my Saturn was there, my solidity. It was my home. And we are at home, those of us with this, I think, in almost any situation. You know, um, however, the one thing I've discovered is that people can very rarely get to know us easily. 
uh, because that's our reality, that's our truth, that's our stone, our foundation, and it's way underneath. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, I do want to ask, um, what makes you a late, where does it make you a late bloomer? Do you, you know, in with Saturn in the eighth? Like if every, I'm, st I'm still a virgin. <laughs> I am so glad because the thought of you in romping around in some bedroom is just not, it's like a sin. It's disturbing. It's meant to be disturbing. <laughs> disturbing. That's the whole point. It's, just, it's Mo the Scholar and you're supposed to always have a pipe in your mouth and, you know, never be nude kind of thing. I, not even showering. I shower in a tweed uh, coat with patches on the arms. Exactly. And nothing else. Okay. But uh, no, but the you're right about the late blooming, but that has to do, I think, with actually producing the fruits of that mind oh, gotcha. i mean where's my book you exactly. know exactly well and the wisdom that you've garnered from the crowley tarot years and years and years and years of research and you get these insights that are like you know for a fact nobody else in the world has those right but and they were yeah. born from this this it took a while it's hard work which and is why you hate is, when people take shortcuts saturn can be stingy hmm. And you're right. Um, I get outraged by shortcuts, especially when they lead to improper conclusions. And then, you know, people flaunt them around with peacock feathers and they <laughs> make lots of money doing it, you know, really annoys me. But that's that Saturn in the 12th, because what it says is, damn it, I worked hard for this knowledge. That's right. Why should I share it with you? Prove to me that, that you're worthy of it. That's right. And that is, that's just personal, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great definer of what makes people to pe for people to understand the Saturn thing and to see what makes them tick because you yeah. have always been somebody not only with a lot of wisdom you take your wisdom seriously you worked hard at getting it and I I don't know anybody like like you that dismisses like you'll read a book and you know they took shortcuts or they didn't learn that on their own and you get you get curmudgeon about it which is great because it's it's <laughs> it talks about Saturn in the 12th Saturn yeah. in the in the collective mind um, you guys, this is awesome. Let's give our um, let's give our listening audience a chance to run to the bathroom. Um, and <laughs> Can I add one thing before you go? Yeah. Um, Saturn in the twelfth. What I've noticed is it's an extreme sensitivity to what goes on just below the surface in the collective. Yes. Um, there are people that pick up on that. Like um, the day before the nine eleven thing, I had three people call me feeling like the world was going to end. They were a mess. They were anxious. They wanted to know what was going on. Mm. And of course, I had no clue. Um, I didn't, <laughs> couldn't tell anything from looking at their chart. But it was like they knew that there was an impending something, mm -hmm. and they all felt actual type of relief after it happened because they realized it wasn't about them. It was a world event. And I've noticed with people with Saturn in the 12th, they have that sort of openness to whatever's going on below the surface, whether it's theirs or not. Mm. May I tell a quick story about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And this is in no way meant to, um, you know, it's not a pleasant thing, but um, I, a few months ago, began looking in my hometown's obituaries, uh, expecting to see a friend of mine. And I looked every week, and then I began looking every day. And, um, and he died. Um, and, and I, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And then one day his brother called me and said, he's gone. And I agree with you, John. It is, I've had a lot of those. Um, do you remember Mark when I was all upset because 
uh, David Bloom with NBC, I, I realized he was going to die. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and there was nothing I could do about it, you know, call NBC and say, here, I'm an Egyptian, and I would like to predict this guy's going to die. Well, I would still be in Cuba. But, you know, you're right. It is there. So I think anyone who has this should really try to not let it upset them because it's been a real problem for me. Okay, so then that brings up the point of Saturn in the 12th could be prone to bouts of random acts of depression. Absolutely. Okay, that's good to know. (laughs) I never think they're random. And the the late bloomer, I think, is the creating of boundaries to realize what's theirs and what's not theirs. Amen. Oh, Amen, John. Good. Mm-hmm. good, good, good. At the effect until later in life of the world. Yes. Oh my God. Okay, you guys, let, let the people uncross their legs really quick and go run to the bathroom. We're going to take a break really fast and we'll come back. We'll continue. It's not. There's no hurry. This is Mark Husson and you are on with John Joseph, Alita McClellan, C.A. Brooks, and Mo Abdelbaki talking about Saturn. We'll be back right after just a couple commercials. See you soon. You're listening to The Mark Husson Show. Expect something wonderful. Hello, 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 Alita here with the birds and the deer and the cats and the rabbit and the dog and even some people filled with good cheer. And of course, that is what I wish for you. You know, this time of year reminds me of two kittens we had. One was born so feisty and so healthy, and the other was born nearly blind and lame, and they were inseparable. It was so beautiful to watch the feisty brother leading the other brother around and showing him things. And if they were ever, heaven forbid, separated by a door, you would hear them yowl until they were reunited. (laughs) They adored each other, no pun intended. And you know, a couple of people asked me why I hadn't put down the lame blind kitten. And I said, well, the universe, God, the angels, our guides, nobody ever throws us away or gives up on us because we're not there yet or because we have problems or challenges because let's face it sometimes we are the blind lame kitty and sometimes the feisty kitty needs help too so during this season may you feel the blessing of every kind of love and know that there is support there when you need it And may your birds be a little less feisty than mine are today. I'm trying to talk here, guys. (laughs) From my heart to yours, may you feel loved. Happy holiday from all of us at 1-2 Radio. And from me, Mo, from out of Mo's mind. Say, why should you listen to my show in the holidays? After all, what do I know? Santa doesn't rhyme with Mo, I know. Frosty doesn't rhyme with Mo, that's so, but stockings hung by the chimney with care. Holiday classic starring Fred Astaire. Mistletoe rhymes with Mo, yes it does. And so does New Fallen Snow. What do you know? Rudolph's glow and ho ho ho. They all rhyme with Mo. The holidays don't have to be a bummer. 
Join me on 1-2 Radio every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific for Out of Moe's Mind all through the holidays. We're going to talk about ways to beat the blues and to uh, just have a great holiday season. It can be done. And we're going to talk metaphysics. Talk to you later. 1-2 Radio, changing the way we jingle those bells. Things are really heating up at the Cosmic Dance this December and well into 2015. Saturn, the planet of manifestation, is changing signs. This only happens every two and a half years. So yes, this is a big deal. And we are celebrating and eagerly anticipating the shift in energy. It's time to get serious about your dreams. What will you manifest in the next year or two? Let's explore the possibilities together. You will find me swinging to the Cosmic Dance every Tuesday on 1-2 Radio on Simple Tales at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 Eastern. Want more? Join me every Thursday night for Astrology Basics on 1-2 Academy. And I'm all yours on 1-2 Listen, where you will find me for private readings and consultations. This is C.A. Brooks encouraging you to keep it tuned to 1-2 Radio for more up-to-date information about the planets and everything metaphysical and spiritual. We are changing the way you listen to the world. It's time for the Mark Husson Show. Expect something wonderful. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's so good to be connecting with our friends about the what was once maligned planet of the zodiac, Saturn, and I think we're learning some friendships about it. We just talked about, we went through Saturn in the natal chart, through all the houses. We landed at the 12th house with some fascinating information that um, about depression and about the unconscious mind, and we're about to talk about Saturn in the future before we start. Do any of the panelists have anything to wrap up about Saturn in the natal chart? I'd love to say something else about Saturn in the Western 12th house. Yeah. Because it's it, it describes the why. And also there can be so many other planets in the 12th house that give that same experience. Just for those of you out there who are saying, well, you know, I had that experience about 9-11 or I've had these experiences. There are lots of other combinations that bring that that to the surface. There is this thing in, just so you're included, there is this thing about Saturn in the 12th and Western astrology Mm -hmm. that sometimes indicates that something happened very early that kind of pushed down, pushed into the subconscious mind uh, about the realities of life and creates a kind of low-level tension and anxiety so that this person is always working on what are the innermost feelings? What are the innermost vulnerabilities? And always has that, we were talking about those vulnerable parts, the, this sense of, I'm not going to express or expose that, and I'll be alone instead of expressing and exposing that until I really understand it. And yet Saturn in that house presses down those feelings. So it's real work. Yes. And there's real nobility. There's that word again. There's real nobility in doing that work. Thanks, Alita. That was well put. 
Saturn has been in Scorpio for two and a half years. We're going to take a brief exit from Scorpio on December 23rd into the sign of Sagittarius for about six months. It's going to revisit Scorpio just very briefly and then come in and then we're in uh, Saturn in Sag for quite a while. So, um, John, I want to start with you. If you could just give us a little overview historically, Saturn in Sag. Okay, first of all, um, Saturn returns to the same sign every 29 years. It spends about two and a half years in each sign. So the last time it was in Sag was from November of 1985 to November of 1988. Mm. Um, and as Saturn goes through the signs, um, you see all the issues of that sign come to the forefront. Like Sagittarius deals a lot with spirituality, religion, education, higher mind. Um, in the economy, it's a lot about speculation, gambling, stock market, um, transportation in terms of the masses. So you'll see those issues um, in each of the Saturn cycles. I took it back like several of them. Um, and as you follow those patterns, you can kind of get an idea of what's going to brew in the present time period. And would you say that the 80s, um, historically, did they look fairly decent? Yes. <clears throat> the last time Saturn was in Sag, it was, um, it was generally an optimistic time. Um, Reagan was president. The economy was doing well. There were no U.S. troops in the Middle East, no terrorists, no school shootings. Um, personal computers had just come on the scene and people were like really into it. Um, the middle class seemed to be doing good. Now there were events and stuff that, that have to do with Saturn and Sag, but those are like repeating themes. Okay. And so, um, the, the inner, the computer stuff is like the learning. Do you think that has to do with the, the Sagittarian quality of learning? Yes. The Sagittarian excitement for learning something new, something that brings expansion. Okay. And so go ahead. Well, I just want to point out Saturn in Sag, Sag is Jupiter ruled. And then you have Saturn there. So you have those two forces that are either supporting each other or moving in opposite directions, fighting each other. And you see that in each of the cycles of Saturn and Sag, where they were either supporting each other or pushing against each other. You, and the, the supporting and pushing against are the two planets, Jupiter and Saturn. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay, so wherever Jupiter is gives us a little bit of a picture of some of the how the climate might be. Yes, but just in Saturn, in Sagittarius by itself, is that con Oh, is inherent in that con Okay, gotcha. For instance, in every Saturn and Sag, there was always something that stifled the Jupiter expansion. In 88, it was Black Monday, where Wall Street crashed. If you go back to the ones before that, like in 1929, it was where the stock market crashed. Um, oh. It was the overexpansion of Jupiter got restrained by Saturn. Our research showed us that like a million and a half people died in car accidents, more than in any of the wars. So during Saturn and Sag in the 50s, they developed um, the radar speed things to limit traffic. Um, Again, the, the, the traffic, the car, the... Oh, to constrain the traffic. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. There's always that, that play between Saturn and Jupiter when Saturn's in Sag. Well, then I'm going to segue that over to Mo um, just real quickly because there's a tarot card 
uh, I know you're an expert on the Crowley Tarot, and in the Crowley Tarot, Saturn and Sag is actually called oppression. Mm-hmm. What do you think? How's, oh, that, how's that tie in? Makes perfect sense. I mean, here's the problem. All the tens, it's the ten of wands. And so all the tens are a representation of the most heavy aspect of its suit, of its element, deteriorating. So here we have the deterioration of the element of fire, right? Sagittarius is mutable fire. It wants to turn into something. It wants to change into something. And yet we have Saturn that comes along and this is heavy weight, right? Because Mm -hmm. Jupiter wants to expand, like John said, but Saturn comes along and sits on it and says, you may not change. You cannot change. The people don't have bread, let them eat cake. Uh, You're going to pay for this tea whether you want to or not, and the taxes are going to be stiff. This is oppression. And so what happens is when this occurs, there will be some sort of transition that comes. There is definitely something on the horizon, something new, something bright, something incredible, but the old is still hanging on and it must change. That's why it's oppression, because oppression leads to this white hot energy that eventually melts away the things that bind us. Uh, Okay, well that's pretty illuminating. I'm gonna go through each of, uh, just to see, um, if you guys have an opinion about um, Saturn and Sag and, and its influence, and we'll we'll do our typical, like I'm gonna start with you, Alita, and then we'll go to CA, John, and Mo. Um, can you uh, uh, briefly generalize the experience people you think people will have with Saturn and Sag? Okay, the general. Okay, I actually believe that Saturn believes in responsibility and loves duty, loves responsibility, loves being able to do it authentically, and so. What Mo was saying about, I think this is a period where we're going to see leadership and leading ideas and ideals, because the Sag energy loves the ideal and the philosophy, come together to create real change. And I think we're going to, rather than it being um, forced explosion, I think the explosion is already in place. Mm-hmm. Good old Saturn and Scorpio got that rolling and it's been rolling for all of written history. But the when you put these two together, what you get is grounded leadership that really wants change. Hmm. And I honestly think we're going to see an outcry, more voicing of that, more things. We're at the we're gonna get that throwback into um Scorpio and Saturn interacting in the summer. So we're going to continue to unearth that which has been below the surface and hasn't been working. But the energy of Saturn and Sag together wants to create leadership and change that's truly responsible. So not to be airy-fairy about it because, you know, we got a world going on and there's stuff happening. I think we're going to see the surfacing of that dynamic more and more and the insistence of it because we need it. And these two seemingly opposite energies, when they work together, that's real change and real leadership. CA, will you give us your impression? Sure. And And I would just set the stage by saying that Saturn in many, many ways on a physical level is about gravity. And Sagittarius is about taking flight. 
Sagittarius is about that arrow, you know, flying through the air and trying to hit something. And so I take some of those things pretty literally as I look at what's going to happen in these cycles. And as, I, as I've looked at previous cycles, some of the things that I really noticed that were important is the things that have happened like Charles Lindbergh flew across the Atlantic in one of the cycles. You know, great um, momentum with rockets or shuttles, etc. And yet we also find, like for instance, when the Challenger exploded in the 80s, that was during Saturn sitting in Sagittarius. So to me, part of the message is grounding our aspirations. So very much like what Alita was saying, this is about combining responsibility with the inspiration, the enthusiasm, and the aspiration. So what I think we're going to find is that in some metaphysical way, we're all looking for our truth. We're looking to take flight. We're looking to find our wings. But in order to do that, we've got to eliminate the distractions. We've got to move away from the dead-end pathways that we see in our life. We've got to turn chaos into order. It's a lot more than just saying, I want, I wish, I hope. It's about really learning to hit the mark. You know, to do something with responsibility, to do to take a lot of self-responsibility. So whether or not that's global or just in the United States or if it's on a personal level, I think that's what we're going to find. The people that are hitting the mark are the ones who are taking responsibility, the ones who are addressing excesses, well, you know, because there again, that's a sad thing. But to hit the mark, I think we have to address. <laughs> you have to find another phrase because all I can see is people coming over and hitting me and saying, CA said to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hitting the mark? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of archery. I was thinking about <laughs> Thank I, I'm you, thinking Bob. of archery, you know, and I'm thinking about the arrows flying. And hitting sometimes Sagittarius, yeah. <laughs> shooting an arrow at you. Yeah, are. they're just shooting their, their arrows everywhere. I think this everywhere. is subconscious, CA. I think you have, I do too. <laughs> there's a problem. This is passive aggressive. <laughs> so oh, sorry. sorry to take you off track. Okay, okay. hitting, the, hitting the bullseye. Yeah, hitting the, bullseye. the target. Yeah. I'm a Taurus. Um, Let's not do that either. <laughs> But see, I think with Sag, it's, we have to address our excesses or our addictions and our obsessions. We've got to move away from some of that Scorpio energy, but we can't also just all of a sudden start putting out all the arrows in all directions. So I think we really have to capitalize on what are our strengths by understanding our weaknesses, because to defy gravity, we're going to have to have something stronger than I'm wishing and I'm hoping. So I think in that, I don't know if that was an encapsulation, but that's what I think, is that we're going to use the structure of Saturn to literally do something important in the world, whether that's in leadership in all areas, because we're going to have a structure for all those inspirations. Awesome. I like And that. we're going to hit the target. Yeah, we're going to strike <laughs> our goal. No, no hitting mark. Thank you. <laughs> John, any more you want to add to the the part you talked about? Because that, well, that was really fascinating. I, I see this time period, the next two and a half years, as um, bringing a balance. Jupiter and Saturn being opposite forces. To bring them into balance is kind of what Alita and CA said, of where you don't get too out there, like with the Sag stuff scattered and lofty ideals, or you get too sober and fear of change and holding on, where um, they level out. Um, Edgar Casey all the time used to say, make haste slowly. <laughs> and um, I, I, for me, the most exciting thing about this time period is I think people are going to come 
to their own understandings. Like, I'm always horrified at election times when people will just blindly vote for something because they're in a certain party and that's what they do. They're totally clueless as to what's even being proposed. Sagittarius always wants direct understanding. They want their own personal peak experiences. And I think it's going to move the world into that where people start thinking for themselves. Um, like real breakthroughs. Mm, that's that's awesome. You know, just a capsulized form of Saturn and Sag. Warner Earhart said something to the effect of, if you experience it, it's your truth. But the same thing just merely believed is a lie. And I, I, that's a great symbol to me of Saturn and Sag. Is w- since we learned earlier on and we agreed that Saturn in the house placement has some strong weight to it, probably the strongest of all. Could we just take the definitions you gave about having it natally and say if Saturn's going to be crossing that same house, that the issues are going to be very similar? Um, and would you, would the panelists agree with that, that we can leave it at um, whatever you all talked about as the issues in within the natal chart? That if you're going to have Saturn crossing that house that you talked about, think of it as those issues um, similar issues emerge for you to work with. Is that too general, or do you think we can get away with that? No, I think it fits. Yeah, I think it works fine, as yeah. long as you give it a Sagittarian flavor. Which is what I want to talk to you guys about. Um, the Saturn is in Sag, which means, it w- let's contrast it. When it was in Scorpio recently, just now, like right this minute, um, <laughs> it's in, it becomes in a fixed sign. We don't get a lot of choices on the things we have to confront. We don't get a lot of choices on how we deal with things. We usually have to face them, stay steady, and almost alchemically uh, let the transformation occur. And for a lot of people, that was very painful. A lot of people lost friends. A lot of people had new insights and revelations. A lot of transformation occurred. Now it lightens up a little bit. It goes into this. Go ahead. Somebody say something. No? I just coughed. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Okay. Oh. Left far away from the microphone. Oh, but okay. You thought I was saying something. Okay. Um, and now it's entering into a lighter sign of, or, or a sign of a different issue. It's inspirational fire. Saturn's coming in, giving it a purpose. It's going to ask us to look at our purpose, um, uh, spiritual purpose, our, our beliefs, our, our desires, our true aspirations, because Sagittarius certainly seeks a certain kind of spiritual uh, truth. Now, people in the audience listening, they have a Sag moon or they have a Sag sun, or they have Saturn in Sag or Sag rising. They want to know what they can expect. So wherever Sag is in your chart, let's talk about what these people can expect because we're going to either have a Saturn return person, we're going to either have a sun in Saturn, Saturn on somebody's sun sign, Saturn on their moon. So Alita, let's look at the effect of Saturn in the sky when it comes around somebody's chart as a Saturn return. And so, because I know there's a lot of people in the in the room that are just nervous about it. Uh, some have never had a Saturn return. Some have had a Saturn return. So if you would quickly define what a Saturn return is and define in general what people can anticipate uh, when it's in Sagittarius. It is when Saturn comes back to the position it is was in in your birth chart. And it's a monumentally beautiful point of of departure and maturity. And I frankly, I mean, you know, I would love to have a Saturn return in Sag because it gives so much credence to that mental maturity and to that philosophical, intuitive, independent side of the Sag nature. 
It is, I, before when I was talking about what a beautiful mix this can be, I really mean it. To have a Saturn return right now means that you can step into the wisdom with the humor and the lightness that you carry and you really can step into it now. <laughs> the part that we all look forward to. And yes, I'm doing it like CA say. <laughs> is <laughs> CA speak is if it's not there yet, Saturn really is going to I've been referring referring to this as the unhoarding of the mind. The Saturn will strip away the things that interfere with that wisdom taking its rightful place as mature, philosophical, intelligent, and absolutely the the power of knowledge, the power of being able to teach what you know. So I think it's a lovely uh, stepping stone into maturity for whoever is experiencing that. And it often comes with some, some honing, some honing and uh, refining. But if you look at it as all these energies are literally standing with you, supporting you to have this rooted in mature wisdom to give others and to know you possess, that's hot potatoes. <laughs> okay, so then let's look at um, bringing it to, uh, I mean, you do a beautiful job of philosophically um, describing some of the energies and, and some of the really important energies involved. I want to turn to John and see if he would um, bring in the, um, what is the, um, on a psychological level, what's a literal way somebody could feel? Did we even define Saturn and Sag in the natal chart? I don't, did we even talk about it in the natal chart just in general? Because if not, John, I think it would be a perfect thing for you just to explain Saturn and Sag. <clears throat> well, in general, um, whatever sign you have Saturn in, um, again, brings that sensitivity to that energy. Um, like we're just moving out of Saturn and Scorpio, um, while it was in Scorpio, there was a sensitivity to all the deeper emotions, particularly the darker emotions. Saturn and Sag, I think, brings the attention to like what your ideals are, what, what you want on a, um, on a more than a physical level. Um, what you strive for, what you're seeking, what you believe um, on all levels. So when you're seeing Saturn and Sag in the natal chart, just somebody with that and not really counting the house, um, are you seeing um, a, any sort of particular wound in general within the person? Well, I don't see it as a wound, as a sensitivity. Like if you look at the people that have Saturn and Sag, um, they're all people where their ideals were the strongest part of their life, like um, Gandhi, Martin Luther King. Uh, oh, perfect. People. Uh, people that, uh, Lenin, um, I mean, I could go through a whole list, but it, they have to be very clear on what they believe and what they're going to do about what they believe, Okay. how they're going to put it into motion. And I think that's the Saturn return for Saturn and Sag is what are, what do I really believe me personally? What's my connection to my source and how am I going to live that out? What am I going to do? Because I tend, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I tend to see people, whenever somebody has Saturn and Sag, um, or no, whenever somebody has their Saturn return, 
there there tends to be an initial angst. I mean, um, Alita, you talked about sort of like the other side of it, the uh, that you get to this point where you kind of feel there's a cosmic cleanup, like to UCA's phrase, um, and. Do you see that that there is maybe an angst? And if so, how would it be defined in literal terms? And anybody can answer, but since Alita, you had Saturn on the return, I'm bringing it back to you just to see if you could help people having a Saturn return. If they're not being comfortable, where would that discomfort show up in their life? What is my purpose? How do I stand up for it? Is it me? Okay. Beautiful. And yes, it's, it's very much... Saturn return starts very much like anything hitting the 29th degree. There is that sense of urgency and angst. Okay, perfect. But I skip that because it sucks. <laughs> You're allowed. That's good. Now, Liz Green has been known to speak of Saturn and Sag people as people who have a certain sensitivity or quote unquote on the verge of fear of having an empty, boring life. And mm -hmm. so what you see is Saturn and Sag people sometimes would be people who might tend to embellish um, a story when things are getting rough. During a Saturn return, we might see more of that, like more uh, people not feeling that they're contributing um, and, and hopeful. So, CA, I turn to you to see what you think Sag's, uh, people with Sag suns, might um, experience with Saturn coming upon the sun sign. Well, you know, I'm going to kind of answer a couple of different things that's that good. are going on, if that's okay. Because yeah. I'm thinking about the Saturn return, too. And if you think about the Saturn return occurring when you're about 29 years old, and then again when you're about 58, 59, and then again in your late 80s, you know, what happens is the first time you're saying, I'm not a kid anymore. What am I doing with my life? And then the second time it happens, most likely you have been working for 30 years. You've been doing something constructive, or hopefully so. And once again, Saturn comes along and you say, well, what am I going to do with the next third of my life? So, I mean, I think that's a big part of what happens with any kind of Saturn transit mm -hmm. because it does come around every 29 years. So if it comes to your sun, in some ways it is saying the same thing. So it may not be, yeah, it, it is sort of like, well, what am I doing with my life, especially in Sagittarius? Mm -hmm. What are my hopes and dreams and how am I making those, how am I making those manifest in my life or am I just dreaming my life away? And so I, I think, and here's another thing I'll say about Saturn that I just think is so true. We feel it as an external force. So we feel it maybe as somebody else taking something away from us or as it coming through and, and decluttering our lives as if we didn't have a choice. But I think it's more accurate to really say that Saturn comes along as the auditor and literally says, okay, CA, what do you want in life? And I say, oh, I'd like to be a professional ballerina. And it says, okay, fine. Are you prepared to dance eight hours a day and spend $20,000 a month on lessons? Well, I can be as disenchanted and upset as I want, but the truth is the choice is mine. I think Saturn is only telling us this is the cost. So as Saturn comes along and it hits our moon, if it hits our rising sign, if it hits our sun sign, I think it's doing that kind of thing. And it's not saying I'm not giving you a choice, but it's saying this is the cost of the choices that you want to make, are you willing to pay the price? At least that's how it feels to me. Okay, and that's great. And I think sometimes what people can experience, what I'm, what I want people listening to understand is that could be this, the lesson and that could be the message, but the experience can sometimes feel alone. 
and lonely. Yes. And, and as we're learning those questions, is that what I wanted to do? Because guess what? If you wanted to do it your whole life and you suddenly found out you, you don't, you're kind of empty. You kind of like, well, then mm-hmm. what? You know, when you get those <laughs> lessons. Mo, in, the, in Vedic and in Western, and, and pick your choice of which you like to go, Saturn on the moon would appear. I mean, like, how do you deal with Saturn transits in Vedic in general? Let's just talk about that. When, when Saturn in the sky Vedically hits one of your natal charts, how do the Vedics, or more importantly, how does Mo Abdelbaki deal with uh, translating that to your client? I buckle up. I mean, it's really interesting because Saturn is, for one thing, I've just been through my Saturn return second, and it's a real, it's a realization of mortality. You're going, oh my mm-hmm. God, guess what? I'm not going to live forever, nor would you want to. And that really comes to light the second time around. Uh, but you do want to be here as long as you can be. So what it does is it brings about a sense of maturity wherever it hits. So if it's on the moon, you know, the moon can be flighty and emotions. It's the fastest moving thing in the sky other than the ascendant itself. And it slows us down. It also can bring a great sense of piety and a great sense of groundedness to whatever it it touches. So, for example, um, when it comes to the moon, it may say, okay, I want to travel, but for religious purposes or spiritual purposes, you know, pilgrimages. Mm. Um, Across the ascendant, it says, oh my God, this is my chance to change who I am again. And it brings to me a sense of trust, one that can go unnoticed for years. And then suddenly you say, wait a minute, I've been trusting and things have come to me in a way that are amazing. And it's the recognition of that because Saturn demands authenticity, but also recognition. Does that? Yeah, that's that... beautiful. No, that's exactly, that's not far. I like how you translate it. That's not at all far from what I think would, we would talk about in a Western chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that because there, it's like there is... There, there is a sense. I want people to understand the seriousness of Saturn. Saturn's stoic. Saturn's um, sub- sober. It, you take off your rose-colored glasses on anything you do, but it doesn't necessarily have to be ugly. What if you took off your rose-colored glasses and saw blues and yellows and greens? <laughs> Suddenly, like, the world's a, a, a vast array of choice. And so I think it's really important that we honor um, that understanding. So thank you. That's really that's really great, Mo. Um, as we wrap up this dialogue on Saturn and Saturn inter- entering Sagittarius, I want you all to just think about if there's anything that you missed saying that you'd like to add in any department that we talked about. And also, I want you to think about the people that might have Venus in Sag or Mars in Sag, because what happens is keywords for Saturn are going to show up. The sense of responsibility, the sense of um, sometimes it feels oppressive because it feels sometimes that our choices are limited and so we feel oppressed. So think about that and then let's go around, let's summarize the Saturn and Sag happening on the 23rd. So let's start. I'm going to, Alita, come back to you, the ball in your court, and let's summarize anything, uh, two minutes or so, about um, that you feel like you wanted to say and, and represent as Saturn and Sag. Two minutes. Yeah, two minute, baby. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I don't know. There's my Saturn showing. I don't know if I can do this. Okay. I love, I love astrology for the wisdom that it always shows about the real process of being a human, having Saturn move through deep introspective, get down, 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 into it, Scorpio, just give me the truth, into big expansive, just give me the truth, give me the wisdom of it, but let's externalize it. Sag 
is so intelligent. Can you see how these two needed to play off of each other and how that combination, when it's fully experienced, when we let ourselves fully experience it, we get to be in the world. More of those qualities of wisdom, more of those qualities of understanding, more of those qualities wherever and whoever we are, where we can teach and offer that as service and receive it and have the fun too. It is a bit of a surrender because Saturn is clear about intentions. But can you see how it was orchestrated in our favor, how these energies are always constructed so that we have plenty of time to process and plenty of information to process and plenty of positive outcome once we do that. So that's how I feel about this. Nice. And in case we run out of time, that's uh, Alita McClellan. She has a show called Alita's Audacity. That show's on Wednesdays at noon, right? Yep. And it uh, at noon Pacific uh, on one two radio dot com. And Alita is also um, a monthly contributor to Mark's Power Peak, which you can uh, subscribe to at one two house dot com. And she's also um, a brilliant psychic uh, astrologer at and psychic and astrologer or and psychic astrologer at one two listen dot com. Anywhere else you want them to know, Alita. You're welcome to my living room, but I have to pick it up first. <laughs> Good. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Thanks, Alita, so much. Uh, let's jump over to CA. Uh, CA, what, how would you like to summarize the events of Saturn and Sag and anything that you feel like didn't get said? And then oh. uh, tell people uh, anything you want them to know about where they can find you. Okay. I think this cycle is going to be about manifestation because Saturn is the planet of manifestation. But in this case, it's manifesting our inspirations, our aspirations, and our dreams. It's about grounding those things, making them real, giving them structure, giving them legs, giving them arms, giving them a voice. And so the other word that I would use is commitment. Where is your commitment? What are you committed to? Because as Alita said, intention is everything. Clarity of intention, clarity of thought. So where are you committed? What is it that you want to manifest in your life and why? And so I think that's what this cycle is about. And yes, I am C.A. Brooks and I am an astrologer with com. and you can find me in the Power Peak every week with the column The Week Ahead. You can find me on Tuesdays on 1-2 Radio for Simple Tales at 11 a.m. Pacific and you can also find me on Fridays on 1-2 Radio with A Course in Miracles, kind of just course talk and that's at 8 a.m. Pacific time on Fridays. And you can also find me every Thursday evening teaching astrology classes on 1-2 Academy. Awesome. Busy woman. Awesome. <laughs> you have Saturn in the 10th? Yes. Just, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Uh, John Joseph, how would you like to, anything that wasn't said uh, about Saturn and Sag that you'd like to uh, lush up? Well, I, I just want to make a distinction. Um, we're talking about Saturn and Sag conjunct somebody's sun or a Saturn return or conjunct their moon. Um, being in the sign of Sagittarius, it's very different than if somebody were having a Saturn return in Capricorn. Um, Sagittarius loves momentum. They love infinite possibilities. So when Saturn comes along, the restriction can feel like, um, why would I want to stop long enough to focus on any one thing when there's so many infinite possibilities? I think the opportunity of this time period is to provide a certain type of 
stability and security that have probably never been terribly important to someone of a Sag nature. Um, that's not something that they are, are really drawn to. Um, mm. They're comfortable in motion. Um, and I think that they'll, the, the stopping and looking and going deeper and grounding is the opportunity when Saturn hits anything in Sag. Excellent. That's good. That's good to know. Now, do you think um, that there's going to be a, um, uh, is it more optimistic to have Saturn in SADS, do you think, than Saturn, say, in Capricorn or Scorpio? Uh, it, it can be, but it's like someone with Saturn in Capricorn loves their Saturn return. I mean, it's comfortable. They, they've lived right. Saturn energy their whole life. But someone with Saturn in Sag, Saturn isn't very comfortable in Sag. They're, they're opposite energies. So honoring both at the same time tends to be what makes it work. Like, how do I keep my enthusiasm and my momentum? Um, if you go too much Saturn, it becomes serious drudgery. Like, okay, I got to get focused. I got to do this. If you keep the Sagittarian optimism, make it fun, use it as an experiment, then the energies balance. And I think that's a challenge for people with Saturn and Sag. Hmm. Excellent. I think you're right. Uncle Mo. Yes, sir. How do you think about um, Saturn and Sag? And do you have any, um, and if you want to add something that hasn't been said, and if you also want to make any sort of like two and a half year um, cyclic Saturn prediction, feel free. You to read my it. mind. Oh, you good. did. <laughs> I think the thing to remember is that we're going to be doing this for about the next two and a half years. And it is an amazing opportunity to solidify what we think. You know, I, I really believe that most people go through life without any distinct belief system. Um, you know, I mean, if YouTube is any <laughs> barometer, uh, it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, what, mm. what are we following this stuff for? And so this is a time to embrace Saturn. I say embrace it, grab it by the rings, give it a big kiss and say, I'm seeking, I'm seeking direction. I'm seeking foundational solidity in my life because I want to know exactly where I am in the next two and a half to three years. Because when, when, like John said, when Saturn goes into Capricorn, kaboom. I mean, we get to use that energy and make it move in a beautiful way. So this is planning time. This is like, okay, and it is going to be drudgery at times. That's the way any, anything is when we are really putting our hearts and souls into it. But remembering that Saturn is about authenticity, in my opinion, and a little bit about detachment, we can learn so much. Um, educationally wise, that was almost English, mm -hmm. um, go for it. Mm -hmm. You can learn anything you want in the next two and a half years. Wow, that's good. That's exciting. Um, Mo, where can people find you? And before you answer that, John, can people uh, contact you for readings? Yeah, they'd have to contact me directly, or I'm on one to listen, but I only do scheduled readings through there. I'm never actually on the website. Okay, and so directly would be like, uh, can we give your email? 
Yes, or phone number is fine. Okay, so John Joseph can be contacted at astrologic at AOL.com. We'll just start there. Okay. And he also has a scheduled call availability at one to listen. Okay, Mo, sorry, I'm back to you. I, I forgot to, to do that for John. What, what are you up to these days, Mo? I'm on one to listen. And um, like John, if I mine is not I only do scheduled readings, I uh, but I oftentimes sit here and get lost and forget to log on. So, so uh, if you don't see yeah. me, yeah, schedule. You can ask me. Say, hey, Mo, are you around? Um, I also am teaching at One Two Academy, and I write, and um, and I oftentimes sing in the shower, but I don't do that publicly. <laughs> oh, you do, um, and you do uh, tarot classes. That's uh, right. Classes on the I Ching. Yeah, there's, there's, it's endless, really, right? I yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still alive, and I'm <laughs> I'm really celebrating that fact. By I'm tr- my whole goal is to share as much as I can before I can't share it anymore. I love it. And that's awesome. And you do well at it. And see, you're you. teaching astrology at One Two Academy on Thursday nights. Uh, you're going to yes. keep that up? Yes, I am. Into the new year. Just try to kick me off. I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, um, you guys, uh, I'm just leaving the listening audience with um, a big thank you for and your, and your reception. I hope you can take your time, listen to this on the archives, um, press pause take bathroom breaks and remember if you hold your nose too high into the blue you have to keep an eye on your shoe that is a saturn and sag um poem that i'm leaving you with (laughs) i'm glad that was last and not first (laughs) you guys this is my cousin this is what happens when you keep me in a room for two hours i love that Um, (laughs) thank you all for joining me it's been awesome if this if the holidays have not happened yet want to wish you the greatest one most wonderful holiday season uh keep an eye on december 23rd when saturn enters sag for this and hopefully this recording could be around to support you throughout the year this is mark husson with his gang of saturn bandits john joseph alita mcclellan mo abdelbaki and ca brooks we'll do this again soon if you all like it thank you all so much have a great holiday bye Tell now me what you want and nothing more. 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 one two radio your number one source for unlimited inspiration 